I'm here with Ross Williams, who's HEP hero and HEP speaker. And Ross, you spoke today at our HEP Ready workshop in Brimbank. You mentioned about the importance of fighting stigma and also self-stigma, you called it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and why do you think people have this self-stigma? Well, it's certainly attached to the, the fact that these diseases, HEP B and HEP C, are relatively unknown, so there's a lot of fear about them, and there's certainly uh, the idea that they are, as I once heard someone say on radio, dirty diseases. There is a fear that you will be rejected and shunned by people who know you've got it. You know, the traditional fear of infectious diseases that goes back for centuries. And I think underneath it, people have to deal with a sense of shame. It's not necessarily rational shame, but it's real. And so you become likely to hide rather than acknowledge and tackle directly what you've got. Do you think having the new direct acting antivirals, which basically cure people easier than with interferon, does that change anything? Or Well, obviously it has changed things enormously, but what we noticed was that uh, when they came on the market, there was a very great uptake uh, but this was basically patients of, of doctors who had been diagnosed and were waiting for it. They, in effect, there was a warehoused demand. But once that large uptake had gone through, the uptake rates have gone down a bit. And I think this goes back to the fact that people, if they even think they may have these diseases, they can go into denial. Uh, they say, oh, oh, this won't happen, uh, I'll, I'll test myself later. So uh, the result is that the testing diagnosis part of getting people into treatment is slowed down. And there's still a huge number of percentage of people that are out there that we know that don't actually even know that they've got it in a sense because they haven't been tested or even if they have been tested, they're not getting treatment. Well, the thing is, you don't necessarily know that you've got it. When I was initially tested, I was pretty near, pretty near uh, asymptomatic. Looking back now, I can say, oh, that was happening, that was happening. I wasn't feeling so good on those days. But really, it wasn't as if I thought, oh, yeah, I've got something wrong with me. I must, I must find out immediately. So it's easy to put your symptoms down to other things and to ignore. And particularly if, if you know you've been at risk, to think, oh, shake your head and deny it and you're a hep speaker um you talk at events like this and yeah. other places why is it important for us to have people like yourself talking today uh, well i think the issue of lived experience is really important you have to have good information but to have someone who can speak about their own experience and particularly if they are now very well and able to speak either because they had hep C and they've cleared it or they have hep B but they're, they're in maintenance that is also encouraging you're sort of living example that uh, this thing can be beaten putting a face to the disease in a sense I exactly uh, since there are sort of stigmatised images of the junkie uh, when, when you get up and you're a real person, you get past the, the sense that it's the other. Uh, 
I mean, the othering is of, of people who have infectious diseases is, is a really big problem with getting them into treatment. And you've been with um, Hepatitis Victoria as a, a volunteer and a board member for quite a long time. How have you seen us evolve and develop and what's your view about the future? Uh, well, once, once we really hit, say, was it been 2016, uh, started hitting the treatment of Hep C, we could see that in the long term that was going to be a much more manageable, much smaller disease. So, and Hep B is an ongoing one that uh, again one that's becoming manageable but we were recognizing that there were larger areas of liver illness still going on for example the number of transplants these days is the greatest number of transplants is due to fatty liver so we had an organization which had expertise which had resources and which uh, was highly suited to expanding into uh, looking at other areas of liver disease. I mean, there, there are a number of liver diseases, for example, alcohol-induced cirrhosis, very hard to deal with that, you know, hard to deal with anything uh, that is related to an addiction. And indeed, uh, fatty liver disease has some sim- symptoms of that because it is so highly related to obesity we're able to get information out, we're able to collate it, make, make it accessible to people and collaborate with treatment organisations, with hospitals, community health centres, getting people to where they can get some treatment and support. Just to go back, when you mentioned about the self-stigma, how did you overcome that and what's the first step on the journey to overcoming that issue? Well, for me, I partially overcame it very quickly by simply saying, this is too serious to h- try and hide it. Uh, so I, I let my family know, I let uh, my workmates know. I was certainly afraid of how people would respond, but mostly I found that people were very supportive. And, you know, the fear was in me of, of their response rather than the real response I got. Now, this is not always the case. My GP at the time, no longer my GP, was not at all supportive. I think you just have to recognise that it's your life and being anxious about how people will treat you is uh, a secondary consideration but still being aware that I could potentially pass on the disease that continued to worry me for a very long time any time that you know for example I walked into a glass door in a public place and there was blood everywhere and I was just so panicked by that (laughs) so basically for people listening it's um recognition that the life is on the line and they really have to do something about it. Look, before my second transplant, I was a week away from death. I mean, I I got the transplant at the last possible moment. And the process of liver failure is ghastly. So what you're facing, if you don't find a way of treating this or managing it, is eventually a pretty awful fate. And it may take a long time to come... It comes slowly, it takes its time, but it's pretty revolting. Thank you so much for speaking today, Ross. It was really, really inspiring. And thank you for doing all your work as a HEP hero and HEP speaker. Thanks, Mark.